We've all felt the emptiness. Something that was broken. Missing. Or taken from you. A moment that tried to steal your hope. But there's another empty. Because of an empty tomb, God says you can have a life that's full of faith, hope, peace, and grace. The tomb is empty, so you don't have to be. We're continuing our series and going to actually conclude it today, entitled Empty. The word empty often has the idea of bringing to mind something that's negative or something that's hollow, something that's missing. We think of empty, we think of perhaps maybe an automobile whose gas tank is on empty. For some, it's an empty room where a loved one that was there, a son or daughter has moved away, gone to college, and we call ourselves empty nesters. For others, it's an empty chair in the living room where that dearest loved one used to sit, and now perhaps in the last year they've passed on, and there's, a, there's an ache, and there's, a, there's something uh, missing in your heart because you, you just don't have that dear loved one with you anymore. For others, it's the ring finger. It's that single adult that's never brought, met, or, uh, that, and God's not brought that special person into their life yet, and you feel perhaps like you've been looked over by God. And when you see that ring finger without a ring on it, you, you have a sense of something's missing in life. The word empty sometimes conjures up the idea of detachment, of course, sometimes unhappiness. But I'd like to suggest to you that because of one day in human history, in ancient Israel under the rule of Rome, there was one day in which a battered and bloody body was placed in a tomb hewn out of limestone. And three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and that empty tomb now introduces to his life. The word empty now means to us salvation, hope, healing, restoration, deliverance in our life. For you see, because of God, empty is the new fool. Because of an empty tomb, God can bring his fullness and God can bring his best in our lives today. And I want us to know that we can live a life that's full of faith. Today, I declare to you, because of an empty tomb, you can live a life that is full of faith. The word faith literally means to believe, yes, and we call ourselves believers. We are people of faith. Faith is, is a part of the DNA of a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that we should come to God with full assurance of our faith. That tells us that we can have full assurance or we can have partial assurance and sometimes little or no assurance. It's like a it's like an eight-ounce comp can have two ounces in it, six ounces, seven and a half ounces, or eight ounces. It's not full until there's eight ounces in that cup. In the Starbucks coffee lingo era, they now say that when a cup is not full, they say it's 
just leave room in it. We call the, the missing portion is it has room. For some of us, there's room in our faith. For some of us, there's room in our believing. That is to say there's something that's missing in our heart, missing in our faith. Why? Because fear will drain your faith. Fear can drain our faith. And right now, with what's going on in, in America and the, the, the pandemic and related issues in the economy, it is draining our faith. Fear, fear of the unknown, fear of, of what might be. And what exacerbates this is when something comes in suddenly. I think that's what's kind of caught Americans right now is this came in kind of so quickly and we were responding to it so quickly and really haven't had a time to just kind of grasp and, and internalize uh, uh, what, where we are in America and our culture right now. It's the sudden moment. It's like when somebody walks in and they announce the biopsy is malignant then suddenly fear kind of drains faith. It's the 2 a.m. call the father receives from his son and says, Dad, I, I'm down at the police station. It's, it's the news that comes from parents to their children, and they, they hear mom and dad say, we're, we're getting a divorce. It's the sudden news of when somebody hears your position has been eliminated. The sudden moment of that all of a sudden brings in fear and it, it drains our faith. Well, I'm here today. I'm here today to pronounce, I'm here today to prophesy into your heart faith that God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned us. And we take inspiration in the book of Psalms, chapter 112. And in this psalm, there's three verses that I want to bring to our attention that I believe is going to inspire us to live a life full of faith. Verse number six, surely the righteous will never be shaken. Isn't that good news? Surely, not just sometimes, surely the righteous, you will never be shaken. That's something we can have confidence in God about. I can remember when I was a kid, we would come together, and there's an old hymn of the church they used to sing entitled, I Shall Not Be Moved. And, and we would go to the chorus and it would be, I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. And we would repeat that over and over again. I want to put that, I want to put that in your heart. You're not going to be shaken. You're not going to be moved. You're not going to be shaken. It doesn't matter what word comes in your life, furlough, infected, downsizing, delay, closed, out of stock. It doesn't matter what comes in your life. The Bible tells us and gives us confidence. We as people of faith, we as believers, we are not going to be shaken. God's not wringing his hand. He's holding yours. God is holding your hand. God is there with you in this very moment. God is by your side. Let's continue. Verse number seven. It says, they will have no fear of bad news. Oh, wow, I like that. They will have, you and I, the righteous, believers, people of faith, will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They have no fear 
in the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. And I would like to declare COVID-19 is one of those foes. And in the end, they will look in triumph at their foes. I would like to deposit a thought in our hearts. I want to put something in your spirit that will encourage your faith, and that is God's care always surpasses your crises. God's care always surpasses your crises. The Bible tells us in verse number seven, they, the, the righteous, they will have no fear of bad news. Why? Because they're steadfast and they're trusting the Lord. I recently was watching a TED Talk, and in a TED Talk, the person revealed research that four out of five people, when good news and bad news is to be shared to them, both good news and bad news, four out of five people would rather have the bad news first and then the good news. The study revealed that people want to hear the bad news, but they want to end with the good news. There's something about at the end, whatever, whatever the bad news is, if they can end it with the good news, they just feel better. Do you know that that's that actually kind of happens. We do that kind of instinctively. For example, uh, we'll tell the bad news and then we want to end it with the good news. We might come and say, you know what? I, I, I put a dent in the car, but the good news is I have insurance. We end it with the good news. The bad news is, guess what? I went to the grocery store and they didn't have bleach, but they still had nacho chips and I, we can have nachos tonight. Bad news and then good news. Uh, the mother-in-law is coming. But because of social distancing, she has to sleep in the garage. We end with the good news. Good news and bad news all the time. Well, the gospel follows that. The gospel follows that on a Friday, there was a battered, bloody body that was put in a tomb. Bad news. But God always ends it in the good news. His care surpasses our crisis. And on an Easter Sunday morning, a stone rolled back. And the resurrected body of Jesus came out of the tomb. God always ends in the good news in our life. We're going through some bad news right now. There may be even some more bad news in the week or the days to come. That's all right. Hold on. The good news is coming. And I want to announce to us, the good news is, the bad news doesn't have the last word. God's good news will outlast and outclass all of the bad news. God's good news will not be removed, will not be repealed, cannot be dismissed. God's good news that's coming in your life. God's good news that's going to come forth in your heart right now because of what he has planned for you in the end. God is going to see us through this and God's care is going to surpass this crisis. May I encourage us, may I encourage us from a watch out, be aware there is a culprit out there that's trying to move into your home. He's called discouragement. He'll move in. He'll unpack all of his bags, and he'll try to stay a while. Yes, he'll just try to move into our life. And if you allow discouragement, it will take over the conversation around the, the dinner table. It, it will fill the living room. It will fill your mood. It, it, will, it, will, oh, it will just take over your mind and your spirit. Today is the day to evict 
discouragement. Evict discouragement from your life. Don't sit around and complain about things. Don't, don't feed on several hours of news every day and the talk show news and unpacking and interview after interview and every problem and just feed in on all of that bad news. Today is the day to unfriend pessimism. Be a person of faith. Be full of faith. Don't sit around and just feed on all of the bad news on the news channels right now. Give God equal time. If you're going to spend an hour listening to the news, why don't you spend an equal hour in God's word and his promises and hear the story that they will not fear bad news because they trust and they have steadfast faith in the Lord. Evict discouragement. A good experience pushes out a bad experience right. That's why we always want to end with the good news. Good experience will push out a bad experience. Trust, it will push out complaining. You know, praise, it will push out sorrow in your life. Absolutely. Friendship pushes away loneliness. Faith pushes out fear. If you will allow God God will encourage your faith today. In fact, in a few moments, in a few moments, we're just going to declare it. And perhaps in the comment section right now, you, you just want to put the word faith in there. Maybe just saying faith is your determination. Guess what? I'm going to quit feeding on, on hours and hours of bad news. Right now, I'm going to speak faith. I'm, I'm not going to be worried about What's going to happen in the next 30 days? I'm, I'm going to quit letting my mind and my fears take control of me. I'm going to take that area that there's room, that the, that the full assurance of faith is not there, and I'm going to fill my heart and my mind with God's promises. God wants us to quit rehashing, rehashing. Have you noticed the, the news media? They rehash it over and over and over again. We, we tend to do that. That's a that's a human propensity. We rehash the bad news. Don't rehash. Let God give you a new hashtag. And that hashtag is faith. Don't rehash. Let God give you a new hashtag. Let God deposit faith in your heart. For you see, the strength of faith is measured by the length of trust. The strength of faith is measured by the, the length of trust. Strong, full faith will trust God through every week, through every day, through every month of this until we're past this and we declare God's faithfulness and God's goodness in our life. Continue to trust the Lord. Be steadfast, the Scripture says, and your confidence in him. Because his care surpasses this crisis. I can remember when my daughters were small at the house. And I, I remember when my daughters were, were in that process, as kids do, they learning how to ride a bike. I can remember we, we got them their trike. And, and we got them a trike. And well, I'm coaching them. And my, my role in the moment when they have their, 
trike is to their trike was to be their teacher and and kind of somewhat give guidance to them and say now honey what you got to do these these are the handlebars you hold on and you turn that but you've got to learn to do this and you've got to coordinate you've got to be able to pedal at the same time I can remember them getting on it won't move well honey put your feet you got them and they were doing it the wrong way and I, they had to get the cadence of of pedaling the trike and then as they're going I'm saying okay you're doing it now now baby quick keep keep, keep pedaling keep now watch what you're you're gonna you're gonna turn into that so I'm I'm just the I'm just the the teacher and kind of giving guidance then they graduate up to to training wheels and training wheels my role had to change they're in training wheels, and I'm telling them, you can do this. They're out there on the sidewalk. And, and my role in that moment was just to be an encourager. Yes, you can do it. Yes, you can do it. And they start going, and I'm not worried about them following the training wheels or holding them up. And I would just kind of encourage them, oh, watch out now. Here's a, there's, a, there's a turn coming. Don't go too fast right now. Here it is. Watch out. There's somebody coming. There's a dog over there. And I'm just kind of giving direction and encouraging them kind of from the sideline while they're in that moment of their training wheels. But the day comes, you take the training wheels off, and then that's a different experience. And they're saying, but Dad, I can't. There's a crisis, Dad. I can't do this. I'm going to fall. I'm going to get hurt. No, you can do it. Holding the bike. And I say, you know how to do it, just like you do with the training wheels. You just do it without the training. But I'm afraid I'm going to fall, and I'm going to get hurt. You won't, you won't, you won't fall. It'll be all right. My role at that particular time was a comforter. That's all right, sweetheart. I'm going to be holding on to the seat right behind you. I'll be right by your side. I'll be right by your side. And they would go on and, yeah, Dad, I think I'm doing it. And I would let go of the seat, but I would run alongside them, and I would have my hands just ready to grab them at every moment. It, excuse me, at any moment, if they were to happen to have a, a spiel or get afraid or, or, or whatever the case may be, I'm there to, to be in there. At every stage, from the trike to the training wheel, to without training wheels. There was a crisis, if you please, in, in the minds and the hearts of my daughter. I can't do this. I won't be able to handle it. Yes, you can. And in each point, my role was different. I went from a teacher at the trike to I, I was a, an encourager with training wheels to I was running beside them and a comforter as they were giving them assurance as they were doing it without training wheels. And I think about God. I'm talking about the, the strength of our trust in God. Do you believe God can see you all the way through this? I believe he will. I believe God's going to take us through this challenge. At times, God is supervising I look in Psalm 23 and I see all of this as it were. We're on, the, we're on the trike and God is saying, he guides me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In that stage, God said, yes, he's, he's going to, guys, turn here, watch out, that's all right. You got to keep doing, just, just keep reading the promise, keep believing. Just, God's teaching us to just go through the routine, as it were, like pedaling the trike and putting it all together. And he leads us in the right path for his name's sake. Then we go on to, if you please, the training will moment in which kind of we're peddling it all on our own. God's saying, you can do this. God is saying, just put this into practice. And as I was with the girls, I was encouraging them. God's there and he's saying, you can do that. You can do that. 
And then he's, he's by our side. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. God's by our side in every moment. And God's going to be by your side. For you see, your trust in God will take you through every experience of life. And right now, I can see God with his hands saying, you're on your own, but you're really not on your own. I, I, I have my hands ready to catch you in this moment and keep you secure. I want you to hear the story of Daniel and Nicole Mitchell and how their faith saw them through a challenging time. I'm Daniel Mitchell. And I'm Nicole Mitchell. So Daniel and I met when we were young teenagers and we dated for a long time. We dated for about six years. And um, we got engaged on September 1st in 2012. So on November 3rd, uh, 2012, I was headed to work early one morning and there was a driver who was coming from the opposite direction and he swerved over three lanes and hit me head on. And then when I woke up, I was in the middle of this horrific crash. Um, they allowed me to see her right before surgery and um, she was all bandaged up and her leg looked like it was three times the normal size and um, just held her hand and prayed. And it was incredible to see someone in so much pain and so much trauma to be so calm. And um, it was very clear that that was, that was God's hand over her, without a doubt. So they were really concerned because all of the cuts and the, the pieces that were broken open were covered with dirt and oil and just grime from the car accident. So they started with um, an external fixator. So they put a rod through Nicole's heel and through her femur to try and hold everything in place. Um, they said if they had tried to close her up, it was basically guaranteed infection. Um, they weren't entirely sure how it was all gonna go back together. Um, she had a piece of her femur missing and her patella tendon was severed, not to mention the compound fracture of her, um, of her tib and fib. So uh, it was a big question as to how many surgeries we could this was going to take and how long of a recovery process. It was very scary. It felt like this is derailing the beginning of our life together. Praying against fear was a big thing. Um, it was just very, very scary, very unknown. It felt very out of control. Um, of course, everything kept being questioned if I needed to be in there longer. But God, again and again, would just like show up and shorten their timelines of when I would recover or how long it would take. I started physical therapy when I was in the hospital. That was the first time. And I remember them setting me up in this walker and I do a lap around the hospital and it just completely exhausted me. Like it took every ounce of strength that I had. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this. So for a little while, I was with a walker or a wheelchair, and the walker was really painful because every time I stood up, I just felt this incredible pressure on my leg. My bones were trying to adjust to having all this metal in there. But I, so I moved from a walker and a wheelchair 
to crutches and then eventually just one crutch and bearing a little bit more weight, a little bit more. And then eventually I walked again. And then I started practicing in heels so that I could walk down the aisle. From the time of the accident till our wedding was seven months. And so she had this big deadline in her mind. Like, I want to walk down that aisle, you know, pain-free. I want to be able to walk down the aisle and have no issues. That was set in her mind from day one that that was going to happen. I thought, man, that's a long aisle. But <laughs> I did it, and I did it in heels. So that's a praise report. <laughs> who hit her only had liability insurance. So we had $30,000 and we needed to stretch it to 120, uh, which just seemed, you know, astronomical. It didn't seem really possible. And it turns out that our lawyer just happened to be really good friends with the lady who works at the hospital who does debt forgiveness. He comes back and he tells us, guess what? They're wiping away all the debt except for the doctor bills. And, uh, oh, and I'm not going to charge hardly anything for any of my services. So it's going to be 23,000 total. So we can give you seven grand to hopefully go towards a new car. And so, I mean, it was incredible. I thought God was going to take years to erase 120,000. And it took him, you know, a couple months and a little bit of patience from us. He showed up in every step, you know. Nicole didn't die in the car. Um, Nicole didn't need four surgeries. Nicole didn't have um, infection. Nicole, um, leg is the right length, um, you know, and we didn't have all this debt. And um, we were able to start our marriage the way we had dreamed it was going to start. I never want to tire telling of the story just because even though the enemy did intend this for evil, God intended to use this for good. Now we have two beautiful kids. Um, they're five years old and two years old, and so I, I show them my scars. They've noticed it before. I tell them the story um, so that they know, and I, I think that's beautiful. I'm proud of my scars. I'm proud when people ask me that I get to tell them about how God brought me and us through. Once again, God shows us that his care surpasses our crises. And God will do the same for you. And all of this, God's not wringing his hands. He's holding your hand. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And they're going to minister a song to remind us what seems to be for the bad, God has the ability to make for the good. And in life, if we'll just... If we'll hold on to God, God will uphold us. You can count on that. You hold on to God, and God will uphold you as they minister this song to our hearts. <laughs> 